Thank you. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the 554th, uh, excuse me, 543rd edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective, our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other oh, shoot, sorry, fabulous moments. You can get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Rebel News Network. But you can always come here for your American soccer discussion fix. Here at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Just Give me one moment for a second. Hmm. Sorry about that. Because as you all have, whoever has seen it already on Twitter or uh, has not seen it yet on Twitter, I am back in the hospital. I have a new infection in my right foot, which is... Uh, Terrible, it's a bit of a setback, but that's okay because I have the best doctors here at St. Mary's in Passaic, New Jersey, and it is a fantastic thing to have a great bunch of people who work and give you the best care in uh, this part of the state of New Jersey. So I'm very happy to be here at St. Mary's and once uh, this whole situation gets wrapped up, and hopefully I won't be into the hospital as long as I was last time, but hopefully I will be uh, out of here as quickly as possible. So at the same time, I want to be respectful to my uh, roommates and uh, the fellow patients of mine here at the uh, emergency room. So I'm going to try and be as respectful as I can and uh, not be overly uh, boisterous or loud while uh, I do the show today. But just to give you some housekeeping things, uh, just to let you know, tomorrow night's post-game show between the United States and Morocco on this uh, show uh, has been canceled. Uh, I don't believe I'm going to get... I don't believe I have the ability to get ESPN2, so uh, I will be uh, DVRing it at home, but I'll be missing it away from home. So I don't believe I'll be able to watch the match. But if I am able to watch the match, then maybe I'll reinstate the the post-game show. Uh, But for now, it is considered canceled. And this coming Friday, the NPSL soccer show will go on. Hopefully, I will be home by then. Uh, If not, just be ready to go. And I'll be doing it uh, basically uh, either from home or uh, in my hospital room. So, But for now... Uh, It's only a temporary uh, situation, and I'm going to get ready to do a show tonight, and I cannot wait. Uh, Some very interesting news, of course, that came out today, this morning, uh, of the news of what Charlotte FC did, which is really a shock that they sacked their head coach, Miguel Angel Ramirez. And 
apparently uh, through this MLS report here, says here, Charlotte FC tight-lipped about reasons behind Miguel Angel Ramirez's departure. And the truth of the matter is, is that I, I think it's, unless it's really something that bad that he has either said publicly or internally that we're not aware of, to have a head coach fired in the inaugural season of, of Charlotte FC or in any expansion season of a team just starting their MLS venture, to have a head coach fired like that, uh, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. I don't know what happened. And the article, if you want to read it, on MLSsoccer.com is from Tom Bogert. But it, it's just crazy to have a head coach on an expansion side already sacked in the middle of a season. Now, I don't think it – I mean, unless it stemmed from the Open Cup loss to the New York Red Bulls, I don't think that's what it is. I mean, we're seeing some great things. Um, it's just crazy and uh, silly. And here's the quote from the sporting director of Charlotte FC, Zoran Kometa. And once again, this is coming from Tom Bogart of MLSsoccer.com. The quote is, there's not much point there's not much point to speculate to what exactly happened. We made a decision for the best of the club. I want—I wouldn't want to go into details. It's not going to help anybody. Some of you might think it's difficult to explain, but it happens in sports very often. Um, and once again, they say it's the best decision for the club. And uh, at the end of the day, we had no choice. We had to do it. At the end of the day, they had no choice. They had to do it. Um, I mean, we like I said, we don't know what was said. I don't know what was said. And I'm not going to speculate any further, but the truth is something really terrible had to happen. Was there a player revolt early? Did the players go against Ramirez? Did uh, Ramirez have a uh, a bit of a spat with the owners or with the front office? Was there something that he didn't like? And he starts accusing. Did he go to the local Charlotte press and talk to them and tell them about what uh, he didn't like and what he's uh, against? And we don't know the situation. We don't know the situation. Charlotte right now, FC, uh, keeping things buttoned up they're not saying anything they're not going out there to uh, slander they just did the job and uh, they want to make it quick and easy and so they did and that's all you can really say I mean we don't know what the situation is and we're never going to know unless something comes out within the next couple of weeks maybe there'll be uh, something out of Ramirez's camp to say uh, this is why I got fired. But, you know, for Miguel Angel Ramirez to be sacked like that, 
out of the blue. I, I it's just mind-boggling and frustrating and all I can say is is that if this led to that open cup loss to the Red Bulls, I think that's ill-advised. I mean, they had a great start in the open cup. They had a deep, you know, you knew that this wasn't going to be a season in MLS where Charlotte FC was not going to do much. You know an expansion team is not going to do much in their first year. And it doesn't matter what, what league. I mean, sure, you can say the Vegas Golden Knights in the National Hockey League, but the truth of the matter is, is that the NHL gave them a push, a big push. And they just took advantage. Plus, they had a great head coach at the time who is currently with the New York Rangers right now and Gerard Gallant. But outside of that, normally in MLS, you don't see the majority of expansion teams earn great success. 1998 Chicago Fire winning the MLS championship, MLS Cup championship and the Open Cup championship in the same year. Having a double. That's you know, a rare moment and everything. But once again, first year, it never happens. It it just barely ever happens unless you get good, good scouting, you bring in good players, and they're able to do stuff. But once again, what are you going to do? This is the situation in front of them. And right now, Charlotte FC... Uh, the remaining people on the coaching staff, interim head coach, they're going to finish off this inaugural season, and they're going to probably look for someone new starting in 2023. Uh, crazy as it sounds, nutty as it sounds, this is what Charlotte's going to do. If you feel it was a, uh, a desperation move of some sort, and we don't, and you don't know why, well, there you have it, folks. Nothing much you can do about it. It's a sacking. It comes at a weird time. But only Charlotte FC knows why they want to sack him now and why they want to get rid of him. So that's all you can really say. Just, you know, get ready, back it up, and uh, go forward and... See what you can do. And then when you come back from your national break, who's your first opponent back home over at Bank of America Stadium? The New York Red Bulls. The New York Red Bulls. And speaking about the New York Red Bulls, and don't worry, we'll get into the Red Bulls segment after we talk with uh, my guest that will be coming up in about a couple of minutes. How about Lewis Morgan and his... Orlaso making it on ESPN's Sports Center's top ten list this past Saturday. The number two highlight of the day on ESPN's Sports Center's top ten highlight list. Number two. <laughs> I to be honest with you, I thought it'd be like and don't get me wrong, I'm nothing against Lewis Morgan or anything like that. You always hope for top one, you know, being in a, at least being in a top ten list. I thought maybe 
seventh, sixth, maybe ninth, eighth, you know, at least you're on the list. But getting to number two, that's amazing. That's amazing. And boy, oh boy, that's a great moment to have that goal being scored on and being scored against D.C. United if you are a Red Bulls fan. And, of course, you know you love to beat up on D.C. United as much as possible. But, you know, just to see that ball get smashed and Bill Hamid tried his best to keep it out, just angle was too tight, bending away, couldn't get a fingertip on it, and splashing the back of the net. That was absolutely a highlight real goal that deserved to be in the top 10 of SportsCenter's Saturday Night Top 10 list on the highlight reel. And being number two is even sweeter. That is amazing to see. Big games coming up in these two weeks. But the big game that everyone should be watching tomorrow afternoon at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2, the redo of the U.S. That final will get underway. Scotland versus Ukraine. Thank goodness for the Ukrainians. They finally got a team that's ready to go. And the winner of that match will take on the Welsh on Sunday morning around 11 a.m. 11, 11 and 30 a.m. in the morning this coming Sunday. And out of those three sides, Scotland, Ukraine, and Wales, one of those three will be the first opponent for the U.S. men's national team in the World Cup this coming November in Group B. So if you are a USA fan and you want to watch who's going to be that big-time third opponent in the group representing Europe, along with England and Iran, let me say this right now. Watch those games see who's going to be in the group, and then worry about what we're going to do, what's going to happen against them in the World Cup group stage. It should be a lot of fun. It should be exciting. And I cannot wait to have some fun. Speaking about having some fun, it's time to get on with the show. My guest tonight, is my uh, friend, colleague over at Red Bull Arena, covers the New York Red Bulls for a couple of sites, but he also covers the U.S. Open Cup for the Cup.us and with Josh Hakala. That, my friends, is none other than Michael Batista, who will be talking to me representing representing the cup.us as we're getting ready to go and have some fun and we're going to talk about that fifth rounder and we're going to discuss 
the big, big victories for the two clubs that have advanced to the quarterfinals from USL Championship, Sacramento Republic, and USL League One, Union Omaha. You heard my interview last week with Jay Mims, head coach of Union Omaha. And now we're going to talk about this successful run right now in the Open Cup. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, first things first, as we wait for Michael to give a call, we're going to review one of these games here. And how about the Battle of Florida? The Battle of Florida over at Explora Stadium. But before we do that, We're going to bring on my good friend Michael Batista on from the Cup.us to recap these Open Cup matches. Michael, good evening, and how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, busy day today. Very hot, uh, as you probably could tell uh, from around us. Exactly, exactly. But it was nothing uh, hotter than Game 7 last night, that's for sure. Oh, man. I thought I was going to have a panic attack during that. I'm you know, <laughs> Too many two-goal leads. Too many two-goal leads. And then I'm just like, oh, there's a third. Oh, Kreider got a second. Oh, what's going on? (laughs) But one thing's for sure, my friend. They're going on to the Eastern Conference Final against Tampa Bay, and that starts tomorrow night. But anyway, let's get on to this Open Cup. Let's Let's start off with this amazing run by the third division side in Union Omaha. Uh, They have a great run to start off in the second round. They're on the road at Minnesota United at Allianz Field. They're down early 1-0 by the hosts. And then all of a sudden, a first half stoppage time goal. And then the big, big goal by Joe Brito in the 51st minute. And Union Omaha just, oh my God, they're, they're on a rampage right now. 2-1 winners in regulation time. We make of Union Omaha. Well, Union Omaha is just doing everything right, and because they're the ones to get through, it's gonna, it, it, they're going to take the spotlight, of course, but it's been a good year for third division teams in general. Uh, Northern Colorado Hailstorm had their run that they fell to Union Omaha. Uh, then you had, uh, you know, you had California Strikers, but, in term, but uh, Union Omaha themselves are the standouts here. They're the ones who are killing MLS teams here, uh, taking down, I think, I think Minnesota was their third one. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's even more historic because the state of Nebraska isn't a soccer state. So if you look back at the 100 years of the tournament, they're the first team to ever reach this far in the tournament. Everything from this point on, they're just making history more and more. So what do I make of it? I think it's, uh, it's really good to have the Open Cup back because you have stories like this. And uh, I'm really excited to see what happens for them. Me too. Me too. I mean, I think Jay Mims has done a tremendous job managing this side. Not so much just, you know, in what he does in League One, but, you know, now that, like you said, the Open Cup is back, you're, you're seeing these amazing runs by some of these lower, lower division teams, and they are just surprising everyone. I mean, 
you'd think that, okay, maybe this thing will go into extra time or go to a penalty kick shootout. No. Big goal by Brito to put them ahead, and, and now for the first time ever in the quarterfinals. You know what's funny, too, is that um, I won't forget this. Uh, I knew of Union Omaha, but, like, I haven't really – my most, most of my exposure to Union Omaha was, oh, they're the team that keeps beating Greenville and my boy John Harks in the uh, USL League One finals. Uh, in 2020, they were supposed to meet, and then uh, Greenville won by default because it got canceled. And then in 2021, uh, Union Omaha stomped Greenville and won their first league title. But I won't forget that my first real exposure to them was uh, on a bus to Rochester for the third round when Motown was going to play uh, uh, Rochester, New York FC. Uh, I was the one with my iPhone out watching the rest of the games as a suffering Miami FC fan, uh, high Cardic. But the, as I'm watching, I put, on, I put on Union Omaha versus Chicago, and a couple of the guys see me watching and go, hey, we know that goalkeeper. You know, they knew the goalkeeper just because he was a uh, fellow Fordham guy. So, of course, he goes to penalty kicks. They go, he's going to get one. He's going to get one. And it was just that, wow, this team, just Chicago's not that good, but they just took down, they took a Open Cup legendary team to penalty kicks and won in, at Soldier Field. And that was, that's just, uh, it's, one, it's one of those moments that you think, Oh, that's going to be in team history forever. But then they do it again, and they do it again. It's just uh, who knows where the end is for this team. Exactly. That's going to be a lot of fun there for this quarterfinal matchup when they are going to take on Sporting Kansas City. Let's go to the other one now, of course, Sacramento Republic. I don't remember Sacramento Republic ever going this deep in the Open Cup in the no. past. I mean, they've always been dangerous. They've always been a dangerous team on the western side of the brackets, but I don't remember them going this far, and now look what happened to them, especially defeating the Earthquakes 2-0 at their stadium. I mean, what a what a wonderful night that was in the capital well, the thing city with them is that, of California. The, the thing with them is that uh, they've played San Jose four, three previous times and have always lost them in fairly close games. So this is the first time they finally got the, you know, they finally got the monkey off their back. And they finally took down uh, the other side of the, as I think they call it, the Hella Derby. So once they finally got that, uh, this is already as far. This is already farther than they've ever been. Um, I don't know the exact number of MLS wins that they have under their belt. I think that they might have beaten Shivas one year, or I don't think they ever beat Galaxy. But there's, um, they, they've never been a team that's beaten MLS sides. So. This is as far this is, as they've gotten, and it comes at the perfect time, too, because uh, everyone's talking about them getting, you know, looked over by uh, MLS, and then their investor pulled out, so it looks like they're not going to be an MLS team. And what I'm seeing right now is uh, the next iteration of the 1999 Rochester Rhinos. If you cannot join them, you beat them. And that's what they've done, and now they are one win away from the semifinal, and they're, in their way is Las Vegas Gal- or LA Galaxy. <laughs> Los Angeles Galaxy, not Vegas, not yet. That that's not yet. That's the that's the rumor going around that Vegas might get an MLS team and be the 30th team in the league uh, somewhere down the road. We don't know if that's going to happen or not, but we'll have to wait and see. But I, I got Vegas there, on Michael. my mind. That's right. But I agree with you, Michael. Sacramento uh, finally breaks that uh, that goose egg, breaks that uh, that duck, and. Uh, 
is now finally on a, a quarterfinal uh, date with the Galaxy. Speaking about the Galaxy, the Battle of L.A., once again, the uh, El Trafico, which, I, which I, I, I hate that name for a derby, but whatever they want to do, I don't care. Uh, the Galaxy does it again. They just wipe out LAFC, 3-1, really 3-0. Uh, early and often, Cabral, uh, Chicharito, Dejan Jovalec, uh, they just bury the ball past uh, the LAFC uh, over at the Dignity Health Sports Park. And once again, it's just the Galaxy does it again and takes out their LA neighbors. They're undefeated at home in El Trafico, and it's or they've never yeah they've never been beaten there. They've had a couple of ties, and never been beaten. And I think what LA's well, I can't even say LA's what the Galaxy's performance showed uh, is that it doesn't matter if it's midweek; they're going to come out and they're going to fight you uh, with everything they got. Chicharito looked like the national team player. Uh, everyone looked very good, and LA uh, and LAFC. To their credit, I, I'm not going to bash them. Uh, they, they, came out, they came out a little slow, and, they, and then over time they got a little better. But I don't know what happened fully, but I, the right team won in this case based on performance. And going forward, L.A. is a team to watch. I don't think they're going to win this year, but they're a team to watch, especially – if it means uh, if this jump starts their MLS season a bit more because they're mid table in the they're kind of like middle of the Western Pack right now so who knows this could be the jump start for them. It could be it could be but I want to get to Sporting Kansas City now and we know uh. how good they are. Hey listen look we know how good they are at home as well and we all know during the Open Cup they're very difficult to play against. I mean how many times do you have to see the visitors? First FC Dallas, now the Houston Dynamo. You get a lead, and then you lose it, and then you lose the match. And because Sporting Kansas City plays till the final whistle blows at the end of second half stoppage time. I I'm so I I I don't I I don't want to like this team because I still have 2017 burned in my head. But <laughs> see my own bias aside. Uh, no, they are the com- they are the comeback kids. I know everyone's calling that everyone's saying that's Union Omaha, but no, Sporting is the comeback kids this year. Uh, that Dallas game was an embarrassment for, uh, against Dallas, and in this round against Houston, I had Houston, I had pegged Houston to go through. I didn't. I keep undervaluing uh, Sporting because of how they're playing in league, but they're just doing what they need to do right in a knockout tournament. You know, any given I guess Tuesday, Wednesday night. They're doing what they have to do. Uh, I, 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 I'm really hope, I really think there's possibility for a cup set here, but is that me undervaluing Sporting Kansas City again? Is that me overvaluing Union Omaha again? You can't, under, you can't overlook this team, um, and it's making it very tricky. If I'm going to Atlantic City the weekend before the Open Cup, there's a chance I, I look at those betting odds and go, I don't know what to do here. Hmm. Well, hopefully you put your money down on the right team. We'll see what happens. Uh, so now we go to the eastern side of the bracket, Michael. And, you know, Louisville City has been one of the best USL championship sides for the last five, seven years, winning back-to-back uh, USL Cup championships, of course, uh, going three consecutive 
championship finals, unfortunately losing at the time to uh, the Real Monarchs, who are no longer in USL championship. They're now officially in the MLS Pro Next League. Um, that was a great match. That was a great battle between Louisville City and Nashville SC. And, you know, Brian Ownby has been awesome to watch. Nashville's always been a good team. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, till the death, till the end of regulation, Hanny Mukhtark pulls out the biggest goal in the history of Nashville SC uh, in the Open Cup, no matter what level they were playing. And this has been, I felt, one of the better matches of the Open Cup in the fifth round. No, it was probably, like, match-wise, like, the best match uh, back-to-back when you look at two teams fighting each other like that. Uh, We've been spoiled this year with some really good ones, and this was probably the match of the round of 16. Yeah, that's what we're calling it, round five, round of 16. Uh, Mm -hmm. No, Louisville City's been – Louisville City's been the top team in USL, like you said – or USL Championship, like you said. They've been the – Eastern Conference rival of New York Red Bull 2 in the playoffs back uh, for numerous years. Uh, but in the Open Cup, they've always ne- – they've never really had it. I don't know how to put it. They've never had the thing to go up against MLS sides. And this year, they were, they were putting up some good results. But this was the year they, they, go, they go, oh, Nashville, you're making your Open Cup uh, presence known. Uh, we're going to show you we're the Southeast team. And son of a guns, they nearly did it. Uh, Coming back uh, or going, they they went up against Nashville, didn't they? It was one nothing Louisville, correct? Yep. Yeah. So they they had to leave, and they looked the better team. They looked the better team. There were celebrities in the crowd for Nashville. Uh, Sheamus from the WWE was in the crowd. He looked. All the celebrities came. A couple celebrities came out for this midweek game, and they were going to see the lower league side to throw Nashville, but it wasn't to be. I'm hoping that Nashville I, – I have my own reservations with Nashville and their, like, trajectory, uh, especially with how certain things have worked out in their early MLS years. But they did their job on Wednesday night, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them next because of who they're playing next. And then, of course, we go to the Battle of Florida, Orlando City hosting Inter-Miami, nothing in regulation. <laughs> Level on goals and extra time, one for each, uh, putting the ball in the back of the net, and then you go to penalties. What is it about Orlando and Miami that you always get such a good game, and then all of a sudden it's Orlando who comes out on top? Uh, it's a little bit of luck, and I think it comes down to goalkeeping. I think Orlando's had better goalkeeping every year that they've been in this league uh that especially since Miami's joined and I think you've always seen that come out uh Brian Rowe made was, Brian Rowe was the history or not history the hero last time around you know with the running of the wall against New York City FC uh and there was a couple other moments during that run to the semifinals I think it was semifinals or I think it was semifinals last year or no no quarterfinals in 2019 uh but uh, no, it's always going to be a high defense game for them. And it coming out of PKs wasn't really a shock. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now, penalty kicks, that was exciting to watch. 
Orlando wins it on penalties 4-2 after a 1-1 draw through regulation and extra time. And now we go to the locals. New York City FC, the New England Revolution over at Belson Stadium on the campus of St. John's University in Queens, in Jamaica, Queens. 1-0 late Santiago Rodriguez converts the only goal in extra time. Um, And, I mean, this was a back-and-forth match, but how many moments was there that you thought New England or New York City was going to get a goal early in this one, and it didn't happen until extra time? Uh, If I'm being honest with you, this is a game where I had to – I was at Montclair State, so a lot of these games I've had to watch replays in ESPN+. This is a game I actually Mm -hmm. haven't watched yet. Um, I've only been able to, like, look up stats and look up info about it, but it kind of played out like I thought it was going to play out. You have Mm -hmm. – these two teams who met in the playoffs last year, uh, controversy in the scheduling. There was uh, no controversy this time. This is just two, you know, it went to penalty kicks in that penalty in that playoff game. And this time it went to extra time again. You're going to get that with these two teams. Uh, New York CFC, everyone wants to make the story about their lack of a stadium. Oh, they're playing at Belson. But, 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 no, that's not what you can do with this team. I'm a Red Bull fan. I'm going to make fun of that team. But you can't overlook them because they've got the talent. They just won MLS Cup. They're going, if they can do that to the New England Revolution, they can do that to any team in this competition. They held them off for 120 minutes, and the Revolution, to their credit, looked good. You can't say that they came out of this game, uh, you know, pulling the whole, it's a midweek game, we're going to play our New England Revolution 2 players. No, they had a good roster for this. And uh, City did what they had to do, uh, and City held them back. Uh, now, did City have some struggles on offense? Yes. Uh, but from what I could tell, it looked like it was a very even game. Both teams were like getting their punches in. Hello. I think we might have. Yep, I hear you. Go ahead. Uh, uh, but like I was saying, this is a game where yeah, everyone was um, everyone was doing where they are. Uh, this was just a better – this is the same sort of game you had in the 2021 playoffs, but in this case there were no red cards in New York City FC. It was just full strength. Yep. No, I agree with you there. And, of course, the Red Bulls uh, defeating Charlotte FC three goals to one. Of course, you already knew the – we all know the news about uh, Miguel Angel Ramirez being sacked. Do you think the sacking – this loss to the Red Bulls led to the sacking of the head coach, or do you think it's been no. something different? Something different. Uh, first off, fans weren't even that disappointed. The, the most Charlotte fans, and I think front office was disappointed with, with the Open Cup, was that they, were, they didn't get to host a game, and they were playing at Montclair State. That's the most complaining I heard from them of this whole game. Uh, they mm-hmm. looked terrible in that game. Uh, Charlotte looked like Charlotte had some of the worst defense I've seen. Um, but no, uh, with the results this last round, there were like LAFC supporters who were protesting the front office because of the loss of the Galaxy. With this one, you had it seems as though that there's the sacking of the head co- of of LAG there was because of uh, one of the designated players. One of the designated players said to the front office. If he's still coached by the time the international break is over, I will not play for you again. I can't figure out which hmm. uh, designated player it is right now because I've been at work today. But, um, hey, 
we've covered this league for a good while. When has bending the knee to a prima donna player ever not worked out, Dan? Yep, very, very true. But but on the game itself, obviously, uh, what was it you liked about that game? Because I thought Patrick Lamala had probably the best game uh, that he's ever had for, in a Red Bull jersey since he's been over here since last year. You want to know something? You, you asked Struber that question. Uh, first yes. question of the night, like in the post-game press. And I, I, I was waiting to talk to him. I, I was dumbfounded by your question because I thought the exact opposite. And then I kind of got okay. like stuck, and I was like, I, I can't even like, ask my thing now because I thought he looked terrible. I thought like a lot of the offense, whenever it touched him, it fell apart. And most of the offense in that game was trying to go through Omir Fernandez but they weren't making long passes. They had to keep trying to do shotgun passes. Every time they tried to go long, uh, Charlotte was picking them off, and that's how they scored their goal. Uh, they got a quick pick. Uh, they went counterattack, and they got off a de- defensive uh, miscue and got that goal past Cornell. Uh, and over time, it got better once you shifted players around. I think you put Omir a bit more center, uh, and you backed, off, you backed off Kamala a bit. You put him back a little bit more. So things could breathe. Uh, but I, what stood out to me was that Struber cares about this competition. He's going to play the team he needs to play to win, which is a breath of fresh air in a certain aspects because uh, we saw under the Chris Armas and uh, Dressy Dress Marsh eras where they kind of used a lot of Red Bull 2 people. With these games, they've had the Red Bull 2 players, you know, called up just in case we need them, but they haven't come, at, come out. Most we've seen is Daniel Edelman getting starts more, which – Dylan is a bona fide first-team player at this point, so I'm not really offended by that. Um, and the other thing that stuck out for this game was the crowd at Montclair State University. And I know people were complaining that we're not playing at Red Bull Arena. This does – I hate this. Why is this team, like, keep shooting itself in the foot? And my response is, did you see that crowd, though? Did you see how good it looks when you have a crowd that fits the capacity needs for a midweek game? You people don't want to come out to Red Bull Arena, and this is what happens. But, and it looked great. It sounded great. Mm-hmm. The crowd was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was. It really was. And the only reason why I said Clamato looked great was because, you know, not only did he score the opening goal in the second minute, but he also assisted on Dylan Nielsen's goal, too, because he did attack the Charlotte defense, and he did make that long cross in front of goal, and that's why Dylan Nielsen put it in. And I thought that's where Clamato had a better game this time around. Overall, he didn't have like an overall great game. But if you got a guy who not only scored the goal but also assisted on the match winner, uh, I mean, to me, that's a that's a hell of a game. I see that point, and like I said, that assist came after uh, Struber started to adjust the players around. So good on him mm-hmm. for seeing something wasn't working and moving the players as he needed. Um, and someone else who I think stood out really a lot, someone who stood out in that game who is not going to get the credit he deserved is, uh, is Carlos Coronel because he made that mm-hmm. save early in the second half that kept it a 1-1 game. Uh, it, that, mostly Charlotte didn't get a lot of shots on goal, but that one shot could have been the whole, whole game because if they go up 2-1, Struber might say, oh, got to move some more players, players around in a different way. And uh, that might not lead to a tying goal. Who knows? But, yeah, no, that was a good team performance. That was a good team performance. I think that was a great overall, like, 11 on the field, four subs on the bench. Everyone played their part. And if they weren't playing their part, someone else stepped up and helped elevate everyone else. 
All right. So, Michael, the quarterfinals are coming up. They'll be uh, the week uh, June 22nd, I think it is, or is it June 25th? I think it's the 22nd, but I could be uh, wrong 20, there. 22nd, 22nd. Uh, Red Bull 22nd? Red members. Just, yep. Yeah, Red members just got the email today saying tickets went on sale. Okay. So it's 22nd. Yep. 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 So basically, all four match, all four quarterfinal matches will be on the 22nd of June. So that's going to be fun to watch. So let's go to the Western Conference first. Okay. Sporting Kansas City will be hosting Union Omaha. And uh, LA Galaxy will be hosting Sacramento Republic. Out of these games, what are we hoping for here? Are we hoping for Sacramento versus Omaha or one and one here? No, I'm hoping for Sacramento Omaha because uh, this, if both those teams win, we're guaranteed a non MLS side in the Open Cup final for the first time since 2008 when Charleston made that run. Uh, and I really want that. Um, now, if if it turns out that one of those lower division sides has to come to Red Bull Arena for the Open Cup final, uh, I might have a panic attack. But, <laughs> but like as a as someone who writes for the Cup.us and someone who likes lower division soccer and someone who just enjoys seeing little guys do great things, I want Union Omaha their run going. I want Sacramento to keep being to be the next version of the 1999 Rochester Rhinos. I want good soccer, and I want those two teams to win. What was that run in 2017? Uh, Miami FC and when FC Cincinnati was in the USL, and they had to meet each other into the quarterfinals, and whoever won that match had to host the New York Red Bulls. And, of course, the original Mm. match down at FIU, uh, torrential rain pouring, uh, that knocked out that game originally, and they had to quickly... Miami would have won that game... Miami would have won that game if the rain had to come in. I stand by it. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> uh, yes. So you're saying that FC Cincinnati did a rain dance before uh, to get that game canceled originally, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it worked out. And also, I, I still stand by that after FC Cincinnati won that game. They should have beat the Red Bulls. Uh, I, I I don't think Red Bulls deserve to win that semifinal. I know it's like a big moment for us with Bradley Wright Phillips come back, but we the Red Bulls didn't deserve that win. <laughs> well, maybe not, but they did go to the final, and even though they felt the sporting they did. city, they they did. They had to go. But yes, exactly. Uh, but in the uh, East, so here's once again the big matchup between the New York Rebels and New York City FC. And now we all know this is the very first time that these two sides are going to be playing later in the Open Cup. The first two times was in the fourth round, and both times were at Red Bull Arena. And once again, back at Red Bull Arena, but this time it's a quarterfinal matchup. Are we going to see a mishmash of... uh, starters and reservists to start this game from both Struber and Dahlia, or are we going to have the full-blown roster going at each other's throats? I don't think we're going to see reservists because it's right after the international break, and or not right after, but it's people are going to be getting healthy during the international break, and Red Bull is going to play Toronto FC the weekend before, and I don't think they're going – if there's any resting, I feel like they're going to rest a couple people during that game because Toronto has shown that uh, they're not a real team this year, uh, which, man, that's probably a jinx and a half, but I stand by it. 
regardless, you can't. This is this matchup happening now is very is what the Open Cups uh, staging was meant to do. That's why you had you couldn't have MLS teams play other MLS teams in the round three, and why you know they were trying to like separate them a bit more. This is why they want this. Uh, this is why they implemented these new matching rules, uh, and this is probably the best of this probably the best thing that could have happened for the Hudson River Derby. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't tell you if New York City FC is going to use a lot of reserves. I don't think so, because even when they were playing Rochester and New York FC, they came out pretty strong. Uh, they only had, right. like, a handful of reservists. Uh, in this case, I think it's going to be full strength ahead, and here's my hot take. Whoever wins this game is going to win the whole Open Cup. Oh, I, I agree with you there. I think this is going to go through anywhere within New York City tri-state area it's gonna be a lot of fun and of course orlando city hosting nashville sc well this is i think this is more of a pick em game you pick who you like you know if you're neutral on this one uh nashville is very difficult nashville is difficult we are, we both remember that uh decision day game last year where the red bulls had to go to nashville if they're with their playoff lives on the line uh and they were a difficult team. They've always been. They've always been a tricky team. Uh, I think, however, that this game is pretty much going is going to help set the standard for their respective club because Orlando City they got to the quarterfinal last time. I keep trying to say last year, but last time in 2019, and they fell to Atlanta United. Uh, then in 2020, they got to the MLS's back final and they fell to Portland. Um, this time around, they have a chance to uh, try and get to another deep tournament run, and their fans want it. They want to get harken back to those United Soccer League days where they were the cream of the crop, where they were the team to beat, and they haven't had that in MLS. Uh, and the one time they nearly had it was in the Mickey Mouse tournament on uh, at Mickey Mouse's backyard. So mm-hmm. do I? So and meanwhile with Nashville. You have people like me who kind of have looked at them going, every league that they've been in, they haven't been the good Southeast team. MPSL, Chattanooga FC was better. USL, Louisville was better. Uh, MLS, Atlanta FC is better. They need to exactly. prove people wrong. Yep. No, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. And I'll tell you this right now, I cannot wait for that uh, for these games to hit the uh, airwaves. Of course, on uh, ESPN Plus, you can watch all the Open Cup action this year on ESPN Plus for the final time, all the way to the final. And then, of course, next season starts the eight-year media rights deal with Turner Sports slash Bleacher Report, where Open Cup matches will be shown on Bleacher Report and the HBO Max app. If you have it, and uh, thank God I have it, and I cannot wait for the uh, this tournament to finish up, and then we move on to Turner for next year. But once again, ESPN has always done a fabulous job covering the sport and covering this Open Cup since it got started a couple of years ago. Uh, unfortunately, pandemic knocked it out, but glad to see it happen. Michael, great to talk to you once again. I hope to talk to you again soon, and thank you, as always, for helping me out with the Open Cup discussion. No problem. Can I say one thing before I go? You go ahead. 
uh, everyone who is listening to this, uh, if you have a chance, if you live in the uh, general areas, check out the National Amateur Cup that's going on uh, throughout the month of June. You have games happening all over the country with the team, the actual overall national champion, will be going to next year's U.S. Open Cup. The national finals will be in Chicago in June, July. Uh, Look into it. It's going to be a good one. Representing Region 1, which is the Northeast, where me and Dan are from, you have a very good Nova FC who had a run in the Open Cup, lost to to, uh, USL League 1 side, Richmond Kickers. And the other side, you have Newtown Pride FC, who won the 2019 tournament, were excited to play in the 2020 Open Cup, and got messed over by the pandemic. It's going to be a great game uh, down at the Ukrainian Sports Center in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. So it's going to be streamed. Uh, I'm encouraging everyone who can watch it to watch it. And if you can support local soccer, go out and support local soccer and uh, support the cup.us. Absolutely. Thanks again, Michael, and I'll talk to you again soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. That's Michael Batista from .us as once again – Plenty of action in the U.S. Open Cup. Plenty of action moving forward. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, you got to love what you watch and you got to love what you see. It is absolutely fantastic to see that happen, to watch the Open Cup and uh, get great insights from Michael Batista, the site runner, the site leader, Josh, ha- Josh Hakala and uh, other writers covering the tournament for the U.S. Open Cup. Just go to thecup.us to look up everything that goes on. Quickly, Red Bull segment, talking about the New York Red Bulls. Yes, we talked about them defeating Charlotte FC three goals to one, and then, of course, the 4-1 blitzing at Red Bull Arena this past weekend as the New York Red Bulls defeat their arch rivals in D.C. United. And what a second half it was. First half, D.C. I thought it was going into the low block once again, just like everyone else has. And then, big moment as two big goals by Lucinius was scored in the second half. Nice sequence after a uh, bender by Morgan cleared off the line by the defender. Frankie Amaya with a shot that was saved, rebounded, went to Lucinius, and he buried it. And then, of course, the second goal he scored was one of the Golasos, which was unbelievable. <clears throat> Weak clearance from the D.C. defender. Flick header in the air. And as soon as the ball was landing, here comes Lucinius riding on his horse. And then he slides down on the pitch. And with a half volley, somehow directing that ball to the far upper 90, splashed it in, 2-0 Red Bulls. And, of course, as we already talked about earlier, the Lewis Morgan's Golasso to make it 3-0. They did pull one back with Ola Kamara as the substitute, but then, of course, Tom Barlow forces an opportunity after a great ball that was bent to him by Caden Clark. And then, all of a sudden, Tom Barlow shot, hit, the crossbar falls forward to another DC defender who on his fault put the ball into his own net beats Bill Hamid and makes it 4-1 Red Bulls 
and the New York Red Bulls win for 4-1 at home for the very first time in league play. <clears throat> first win in seven home matches, now going a win with four draws and two losses. And they're in the thick of it in the Eastern Conference. So now we're on the international break. Aaron Long <clears throat> news that he'll be starting for the U.S. men's national team against Morocco tomorrow night, which will be at 7.30 Eastern time on ESPN2. They will be in TQL Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Big, big victory for the New York Red Bulls. Gerhard Struber, when I have to say, had the face of a like a kid who just was so happy he got what he wanted for Christmas, and that was the Lucinius Golasso that made it two nil for the home side. A lot of fun, a lot of excitement, and New York Red Bulls hopefully are starting to put things together going on into this season at home. They have only five wins on the road, a draw, and a loss. That's not bad. It's pretty darn good. And now hopefully the home schedule will have more wins at home and they can beat those teams in the low block inside their own pound, inside their own area. So we'll see what happens then. But other than that, fun show tonight. And uh, once again, unfortunately, tomorrow night's USA-Morocco post-match show will be canceled. But this coming Friday night, the NPSL soccer show will return. And that show will be broadcasted here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash 40 since fire for all of you NPSL soccer fans. Cannot wait to do that show on Friday night. I want to thank my guest tonight, Mr. Michael Batista from the Cup.us. Um, I also want to thank all of you for being patient with me for tonight's show. I wanted to do this show. I did not want to cancel. I've already suspended this show once. I am not going to have to. I don't want to suspend the show again, and that's why I did it tonight. Talking about that Open Cup. It's a lot of fun. It's exciting. And I can't wait to do it again. And hopefully, hopefully, we can do a standalone show on the Open Cup after the quarterfinals. So we'll see what happens then. Other than that, it's been a fun night, and I'm glad you guys were able to listen tonight and stick around. Once again, I want to thank my guest, Michael Batista from the Cup.us, to talk, recap the fifth round of the U.S. Open Cup and get ready as we move on towards the quarterfinals of the Open Cup. My name's Daniel Feuerstein. This has been the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football and also enjoy the international break and have fun. Take care so long and bye-bye for now.